0: Hello and welcome to the ITP Business Brief, your source of business news and insight on the Middle East's economic heartbeat. I'm your host, Carla Certain, group editor of the B2B division at ITP Media Group. Here are my picks of the week. The biggest news to cross my desk this week was the US-KSA feud over production cuts made by OPEC+, Plus, which is the alliance between countries in the organization of petroleum exporting countries and, crucially, Russia. They agreed to cut 2 million barrels per day of production of crude oil earlier this month, and, well, it, it's caused a little bit of strife in terms of their relations. Faisal Razvi Rahman, who is the editor of Oil and Gas Middle East, has been following the story closely. Faisal, what can you tell us about U.S.-KSA relations in the wake of the OPEC Plus cuts?
1: Uh, Yes, thank you for having me on your podcast, Carla. Well, there's definitely a lot of tension that we're seeing between Saudi Arabia and U.S. Um, Like you said, after OPEC Plus decided to slash output, now it's significant to note that this is the highest cut since the pandemic, uh, despite Biden's apparent efforts to, and please to ask OPEC not to um, cut output. Now, this decision has clearly frustrated U.S. President Joe Biden, and he's very explicitly expressed his anger at Saudi Arabia. Uh, He recently said in an interview that there would be consequences for Saudi for this decision, although he did not really go into further detail on what those consequences would be. Carla, the Biden administration clearly sees, and we can tell from their statements, that they see this as a move from Saudi Arabia to cut production as a display of siding with Russia.
0: Tell us a little bit more about why is it being perceived that way? Well, it's
1: mainly because U.S. has requested and actually has made very apparent efforts uh, on its part to convince Saudi Arabia and other OPEC nations to not do this. We saw President Biden visited Saudi Arabia a few months ago, and uh, one of the top Top of his agenda where this discussion about not cutting all production. Um, and now we're seeing very, very strong statements, Carla, coming from US. US is saying it wants to reevaluate its relationship with Saudi Arabia and Biden even said, you know, that There would be consequences, like I said. And even Senator Bernie Sanders said in a recent statement in a tweet that if Saudi Arabia wants to partner with Russia to jack up U.S. gas prices, in that case, U.S. troops must pull out of Saudi Arabia to stop selling them weapons and end its price fixing oil cartel, is what he said in his recent tweet. So we're seeing some pretty strong statements come from U.S.
0: Yeah. And I mean, then looking at it from a supply and demand perspective, obviously, in the, from the U.S. perspective, keeping supply high would help keep prices a little bit lower, which right. is good for Biden in the upcoming midterms. Correct. Um, but from the perspective of the producer, obviously, they, they would want to increase prices, um, especially now uh, with the current geopolitical situation. Um, Correct.
1: Yes. Yeah. But it's important to note, Carla, that uh, it's important to understand really that the two million barrel per day figure that we're seeing in the headlines is not really as big because several members of the OPEC have already been far short of their individual production ceilings. And especially Iraq, for instance, has indicated that it will be producing more than its assigned quota. So really, the major cuts will be from Saudi Arabia and UAE.
0: Yeah, and uh, you can, listeners, you can learn a little bit more about that from one of our previous episodes of the ITP Business Brief. I'll put the link in our references uh, for this episode if you want to understand a little bit more about the actual cuts. Yeah, well, what that actually means. Now, looking at Uh, Then the backlash or looking at sort of the comments that are coming out from the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. What are the comments that we're hearing from either side?
1: Yeah, well, I just mentioned what, you know, U.S. has been saying that there would be consequences for Saudi Arabia. And actually, just yesterday, Carla, we saw a very interesting statement come from the Saudi foreign ministry, which is a bit unusual. And in that statement, Saudi Arabia clearly slammed the accusations coming from Biden administration, denying that the cuts were in any way politically motivated. And in the statement, really, and I'd like to quote the statement, uh, the statement reads, Saudi Arabia would like to express its total rejection of these statements that are not based on facts. And really, Saudi Arabia also went on to say that the decision was unanimously made by all the OPEC OPEC plus group members, and the decision was purely economic.
0: Yeah, and as I mentioned at the start of the episode, it is pretty important to note that the plus part of OPEC-plus is right. really majorly Russia, Russia right? correct. It's led by Russia. So OPEC-plus yes. is very much led by Saudi Arabia and Russia. Yes. So that's probably influencing the perception that there's closer ties or that Saudi Arabia is trying to get closer to Russia. But obviously they are right. vehemently def- denying that. Yes,
1: they are. They are. They've been def- de- denying any acquisitions coming from the Biden administration.
0: And have we heard any other comments from either other members of OPEC or you know neighboring GCC countries like the UAE?
1: Interestingly, so far, we have not seen any official statements come out from any of the other OPEC members. Um, however, it's interesting to note that um, earlier this week, the president of UAE, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, was, uh, it was visiting um, a meeting with Russian president um, uh, Putin. And according to UAE state media, both leaders were to discuss countries' friendly relations alongside other regional and international issues.
0: But yeah, I mean, what are really the implications here? I know that that's a bit of a foggy question, but what are the implications of this ongoing feud? Uh, yes, that's a very
1: interesting question, Carl, and I wish I had a crystal ball right now. But really, although it remains to be seen what action uh, both sides will take, what you know, what Biden will take in the coming days or what Saudi Arabia, what other statements we'll see from OPEC members, uh, we're, so far we're seeing Saudi Arabia reaffirming over and over again that this was a decision adopted through consensus and that, you know, that OPEC plus took into account the balance of supply and demand and that, you know, this this whole decision was aimed at curbing market volatility.
0: Uh, Obviously, the the conflict is, uh, the Russian-Ukrainian conflict is causing some turmoil to supply and demand. We saw the Nord Stream pipelines Mm -hmm. um, ruptured. Uh, what are some of the other stresses on supply at the moment?
1: Well, we're actually seeing um, a pretty deepening situation of a deepening energy crisis right now in, in Europe, where uh, there were news from—I was seeing a few articles from this past week where there are news of— people using coal to keep themselves warm ahead of the looming winter so there's definitely a lot of um, supply crunch if you look at Europe um, and also you know there's a, if you really specifically look at this relationship between Saudi and US in terms of supply um, you know a lot of American politicians are now very impatient with this nature of this this relationship because they're saying that the US imports of Saudi oil have really shrunk a lot over the past years and more than 80% of the Middle East crude exports now. Go to Asia, which is why this 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 whole tension could could deepen a lot over the coming weeks.
0: Okay, thank you so much for joining me, Faiza. That's the biggest news of the day and the week, really. The other big news, I guess, on my desk is the biggest tech exhibition in the region, GITEX. And anyone in Dubai who uses Sheikh Zayed Road will have felt the impact on traffic. It certainly is bigger than ever. Today is the last day of the event. I've been there for most of this week and. A few key themes stood out there to me. We have our entire team from ITP.net there, filming videos and sort of uh, experiencing what JITEX has to offer. So we have the scoop on the biggest uh, news out of the exhibition conference. Most interestingly to me, the GCC governments had their digital innovations on full display. Uh, One example would be Dubai Police, which has launched an NFT collection of its luxury patrol vehicles in peak Dubai fashion. Uh, Meanwhile, the Emirate of Sharjah has launched the Sharjahverse, which is a metaverse tourism platform which encompasses the entire Emirate. So you can explore it virtually virtually. The chairman of Sharjah's Commerce and Tourism Development Authority, Khalid Jasim Al-Midfa, said that this would, and I quote, transform the mass market tourism industry towards next generation practices in sustainability. Clearly, metaverse is a hot topic and a focus area in tech, but it can feel a bit opaque if you're not in the tech space yourself. So, do check out Tech Explained, a podcast by ITP.net, for a rundown of metaverse and Web 3.0. Both of those links will be in the references for those podcasts in case you're interested. Uh, meanwhile, DO and RTA are planning to work on a digital twin of the Dubai Metro. Uh, a digital twin, for those who don't know, is an exact replica of a physical object, or in this case, many objects that exists in 3d digitally so you could explore it digitally through a computer through using virtual reality goggles you could be like you're walking around the dubai metro it relies on sensors that exist in real life in the actual metro which update on the digital twin in real time or close to real time so uh, people can monitor patterns and predict downtime before an issue happens which saves time for everyone including users of the metro and money for its operators So essentially, you could have a sensor on an escalator in the metro, and if someone monitoring the digital twin notices that it's not performing as it normally does, they could undertake some predictive maintenance before it stops working and causes some issues at the metro. So that's an interesting application of a technology that we've typically seen in um, more industrial settings. So it's something we definitely see a lot in oil and gas applications, especially on remote Uh, oil fields and oil rigs where it might not be easy to get someone to, to get over there for maintenance or inspection or to just regularly, routinely inspect the facilities. So these are really just the tiniest snippets of what's going on at Jitex this week. Again, I've been there all week. There's really too much for me to to tell you in this podcast. But if you really want to dive deep into the latest in tech, do head to itp.net slash Jitex. They have daily updates, roundups from each day, exclusive video interviews, and just the latest in tech. And trust me, there is a lot to see this year. Now, one final story you shouldn't miss, Oil & Gas Middle East unveiled the top 25 EPC companies for 2022. It's a very interesting list, I reviewed it myself before it went to, to press. and. Um, I was very excited to see you know, one or two new faces on there, a few people moving around on that list. And of course, the UAE's own NPCC took the top spot this year, which is very exciting. So do head out to oilandgasmiddleeast.com if you're interested in the engineering companies that literally build up the oil and gas sector. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about any of the stories mentioned in this podcast, subscribe to my LinkedIn newsletter or simply check the reference links listed for the podcast. Otherwise, I'll be back next Friday at 12 p.m. GST for another episode of the ITP Business Brief.